determination to believe and to forgive, you can at first think, well, they seem to be two very random concepts, two isolated concepts. How, how can we relate these two things together? And we can relate them together because Jesus related them together. And he did in this passage that we read today uh, from the Gospel of Mark. As I told you the story, they had been, they had been out walking. Uh, they came to this fig tree uh, that seemed to have life but didn't bear fruit. Jesus cursed it. The next day they're walking by and the fig tree had withered and it had died. And, and Peter's like, hey, Jesus, wow. Man, you spoke to this, this fig tree and all of a sudden it's withered just like you said. And Jesus said, Peter, have faith in God. Now it's interesting, this, this, this Greek here, it's, it's tough to translate. The literal translation would be, have God's faith. Or have the faith of God. Not necessarily have faith in God. The key dynamic of believing, of having faith, is not to try to work it up in ourselves. The key dynamic of having faith is not about you know, I think I can, I think I can, and trying to coach ourselves and trying to stir up something within us. The key dynamic of faith is to know who God is and to know that God is powerful, that God is loving, that God is capable of doing everything that He says He would do. The dynamic of faith and having God's faith is to have a faith that is activated by a real knowledge of who God is in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Many times, what I see Christians, and I'm talking about Christians now, what I see Christians do is have a faith that is more akin to positive thinking than it is to God's faith. Now to say, okay, if I just think hard enough, God is going to give me a new Mercedes. That's not what the text is saying here. That's positive thinking. And there is a power to positive thinking. That's why the book, The Power of Positive Thinking, is sold so well. And there is a health dynamic to positive thinking. It is much better to think positive thoughts. It's much better to make positive declarations over our lives than to make negative ones. It's much better to get up in the morning and say, you know, I'm a child of God and God loves me than it is to say, oh, I'm, I'm weak and miserable and I'm pitiable, pitiable and, and all of this. But that does not mean that you have God's faith, that you have faith, the faith of God. The faith of God involves a real knowledge of God and His ways as revealed in the Word of God. And we need to know the Bible as God's Word. We need to know who God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. We need to know God's purposes in the world. We need to understand, for example, that if God blesses you, it's not only for your enjoyment. It is for your enjoyment, by the way. But it's not only for your enjoyment. It is so that you can bless other people. If God gives to you financial resources or other resources, it's not only so you could enjoy those resources, even though He has given them to you for your enjoyment, but it's also so you can bless others. And notice how Christians tend to uh, uh, deny one or the other of those things. You know, there are some Christians that say, you know, seek the giver, not the gift. 
Uh, or they'll, you, you know, they'll say, uh, and, and that sounds really good, seek the giver, not the gift. But you know, God wants us to seek both. He wants us to seek him, and he also wants us to seek what he will give us because he knows that what he will give us will be used to bless other people. Or there'll be some people say, well, you know, if God gives you a house, it's not so you can enjoy it, but it's so you can share it. Well, yes, it is so you can enjoy it. God has given us everything, according to Paul and Timothy, God has given us everything for our enjoyment. And we are to enjoy it with thanksgiving. But he's also given us this to bless other people. And many times we do not walk in faith because the faith we're trying to walk in does not reflect what the Bible actually says. Or we'll we'll try to say, okay, I'm going to be stingy with my money. I'm going to hold back my money and I'm not going to really share it with other people. But I'm going to ask God to bless me financially. And, and so I'm going to start declaring, God's going to make me a millionaire. God's going to make me a millionaire. God's going to make me a millionaire. You know what the scripture says? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one, shall, whatever one sows, that also shall he reap. And so sometimes we can make these faith, what we call faith declarations about something, when it's actually not flowing from the Bible as God's word. And so we need to know who God is. We need to know God's ways. We need to know God's desires. We need to know that God is able to make all things work together for our good. We need to know that God is able to bless us in every way so that we might be a blessing to others. We need to know that God has designed us and made us to be a person who can bring transformation. But that transformation begins by the transformation of our minds, the renewing of our minds in truth. We need to understand that that God will heal the sick, but also that God has called us to take responsibility for our own healing and to step out in faith, to seek that, and on and on and on and on. There's so many different things about God that's revealed in the Word of God that we have neglected to discover because we get caught up in nice, cute little sayings about what God may or may not want to do, and we've not really plumbed the depths of the Word of God so that when we're walking in faith, we're walking in God's faith, not the faith that we've imagined in our own minds. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, Peter, have God's faith. Have the faith of God. Know God. Know His ways. Know what's going on here. Because, you know, if you have God's faith, you could say to a mountain, like the Temple Mount here, you can say, hey, be moved into the heart of the sea, and it will be moved into the heart of sea. Now, this is not, you know, sometimes people have thought, okay, this means that what I need to do is just believe hard enough, you know, the mountain's going to move, the mountain's going to move, the mountain's going to move, and then it's going gonna, it's gonna to move. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if by God's faith in you, you have discerned that what God wants to do is move this mountain into the sea, then you can speak to that mountain and that mountain will move into the sea as long as you believe without wavering in your heart. In other words, the problem is that God might speak to us something and then we start thinking about it too much. We start trying to figure it out. I remember one time, uh, quite a number of years ago, uh, the Lord had 
had spoke to me, uh, and uh, since we, in our first church, we used uh, a minivan a lot, a seven-passenger vehicle uh, to transport youth and stuff, and so that was always a key thing for us. And we were in between vehicles, and I felt like the Lord had said that he's going to, by this time, it was like two months later, he was going to give us a minivan. So that's great. You know, God's given us vehicles in the past, uh, and, and, on that, and that's, that's perfectly fine. And I, but I got thinking about it, and I got thinking about, okay, what do I want? You know, what would I go after? Uh, and then I started to think about, well, how can I make this happen? And before we knew it, you know, we had taken a loan from Karen's grandfather uh, to buy a minivan. Now, I had the minivan, but on subsequent reflection of it, I didn't get the minivan by faith. I got it by my wavering in my heart. That makes sense. And to this day, I wonder what God would have done had I not done that and how God would have provided. And so often, that is what happens. We start, we, you know, we hear God say something, uh, we confirm it in the Word, and then we start calculating about it, we start trying to figure it out, we start trying to guess how God's going to do it, what God is going to do, we start trying to make plans and decisions and things to help God along, you know, because obviously God needs our help because He never works as quickly as we want Him to. Uh, so, so we figure if I just do a little bit of work, I can coach God on His timing and get all of this to happen much more quickly uh, and push Him along. And I have seen Christian after Christian do this. I've seen Christian leaders do this. I have seen uh, people who would not consider themselves a leader do this. Uh, person after person after person has done this because they have not worked by God's faith. And if we don't work by the faith of God, we're working in unbelief. Because there's no, two, there's no middle pathway there's no, I've got kind of faith, and so I'll, do, I'll work, operate by kind of faith. If kind of faith is unbelief. So you're either operating by God's faith or you're operating in unbelief. And then that leads on to Jesus saying about our prayer time. So if you're going to have God's faith, you know, what, what's the way to do it? What's one of the best ways to get God's faith? Now that we've got the Word of God, obviously reading the Word, being together with other believers, studying the Word, plumbing the depths of who God is, but it's also by prayer. It's one of the reasons why prayer is so important. When we engage in prayer, when we're seeking the face of the Lord, when we're looking at the Scriptures and seeking God and, and balancing what we think God say then, says, says then with the Word of God and going back and forth in that conversational dynamic with our Heavenly Father, God begins to reveal His will and He's asking us then to pray His will into being. And when we have God's faith and we are operating by God's faith, what God has spoken on the foundation of the Bible as God's Word, when we're operating like that, then whatever we ask for in prayer, we need to have faith that we are receiving it. And it will be done. Now this is not a blanket invitation for us to pray for anything we want to, even though we can pray for anything we want to. And this is not really a, a time to pray for what we need, you know, because the text says very clearly, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, your Father knows what you need. 
He knows you need food. He knows you need clothes. He knows you need a job. He knows you need a place to live. So seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. So this is an invitation for us to pray big prayers by God's faith, to pray big prayers over the people that we're connected with, to pray big prayers over our church, to pray big prayers for our city, to pray pray big prayers for the shifting of the world into the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to pray big prayers that people would be healed, that, that demonized people would be set free, that the kingdom of God would move forward, to pray big prayers, dreaming big dreams about how God wants to use you to change the world. And God wants to use each one of us to change the world. And that's why we are called to have faith. And that's also why unbelief always disempowers us. Unbelief always undermines our destiny. And it's very easy to fall into unbelief because we focus on circumstances rather than focus on the promises of God and the ways of God and who God is as revealed in the Bible as God's Word. And ultimately, unbelief becomes such a big problem because it's an affront to the goodness of God. Our faith, our belief, flows in a large part from the goodness of God. There's a lot of Christians who don't believe that God really wants to be good or really wants to be good to them or do good things. And this is a challenge, especially when we come into difficult times. Because it's the difficult times that time after time cause us to question the goodness of God and to fall into unbelief. It's the difficult times that cause us to ask, okay, God, did you really say this? Are you really wanting to do this? Can you really use me? Are your promises really for me? And when we doubt God's goodness, it always leads to unbelief. Always always leads to unbelief. So, Jesus says, have faith. Have God's faith. Have God's faith. But then it's interesting that Jesus moves right into the next thing that initially just seems completely unrelated to the idea of praying, to the idea of having faith, to the idea of seeing mountains move, and that's in forgiveness. He says, hey, whenever you're standing and you're praying, forgive those. If you have anybody, you have have anything against anyone, forgive them. Now, notice in this context, Jesus doesn't say, forgive those who have wronged you. Now, he does say that in other contexts. And that's certainly involved here. But Many times we get stuck in unforgiveness because we think it's just about people wronging us, doing the wrong thing, sinning against us. And I've known a lot of people that that try to spend a lot of time trying to judge what somebody has done to them as wrong. And then they'll try to amass all kinds of evidence why, why that's wrong. When sometimes people hurt us for innocent reasons, sometimes people hurt us for our own good, I've certainly experienced that in my own life. Uh, Sometimes people hurt us completely unaware 
of hurting us. Sometimes we have something against somebody and that person is completely unaware that we have anything against them, that we've had any kind of problem with them because we've not talked to them about that, uh, or we've had unmet expectations that were never agreed in the first place. A lot of times we get really upset with people because they don't live up to our expectations when we never told them our expectation in the first place or had it agreed with them. Now, if you come to me and you say, Rod, I'm really upset uh, because uh, you haven't called me every single day for the last 30 days, uh, and I really expected you to do that, well, then I can say, well, did you ask me to call you? That's the first question. And the second question is, did I agree to call you? Because if you didn't ask me and I didn't agree to do it, then you really have no right to expect it. And so we get upset by these things. And we get hurt by these things. And Jesus says, whenever you go to him praying, whenever you stand before the Father praying, whenever you're seeking to have God's faith, you need to release people that you have anything against whatsoever. Whether they know that they've hurt you, whether they don't know that they've hurt you, uh, whether what they did was wrong or what they did was right, you know, whatever it is, it actually doesn't matter. What matters is if it hurt you, if it was unpleasant for you, if you feel like because of what someone else did, said, or didn't do, you've got something against them, you have to release it. And that's what forgiveness means. It means literally to release something, to let it go. And the idea, you go before your father and you say, okay, God, I've got this thing. I've been holding it in my heart. I've been holding it inside. It's really causing me a lot of pain, a lot of grief. And I need to release it to you. And I release it right now in the name and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I choose not to hold on to it. I won't pick it up again. And, uh, and every time the pain comes, every time the discomfort comes, every time the struggle comes, you just release it. And you release it. And you release it and you keep doing it. What happens if you remember what they did and it hurt you again? Well, you release it. And you keep on doing it. And sometimes it's going to take a long time. Now, as many of you know, about uh, last January, somebody did something to me that was absolutely horrible. One of the most horrible things that anybody has ever done to me. Uh, And gave no reason, really, for doing it. But it was just painful. And I'm still living... Karen and I both are still living in pain and grief uh, and, and misery, real misery, because of what uh, this person, which has become these people, have, have done to us. Well, it's horrible. I, I was having a conversation with somebody one day, and they said, you know, how can somebody come back from this? I said, quite easy. They just repent. They say, you know, Rod, we're sorry. What we did was wrong. You know, we want to be reconciled. And they're like, Really, can you do that? I said, yeah, because you forgive. You know, if I'm not living in forgiveness, if I'm not practicing forgiveness, uh, then reconciliation is impossible. Anything else is impossible in our lives and actually I undermine my destiny. So I'm going to forgive and I'm going to forgive those who have wounded me and I've got to keep doing it. You know, I'm still living in the consequences. So every day, sometimes several dozen times a day, I say, Lord, I choose to forgive this person for doing this thing, which has had this outcome. Lord, I choose to forgive this person for doing this thing, which has had this outcome. And you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and one day, one day the pain will be gone. It's not gone yet. One day the pain will be gone. One day God will heal me. But even if God doesn't, I'm going to keep forgiving. 
Because if I don't forgive, I'm not going to hurt anybody else, but if I don't forgive, I will undermine my own destiny. I will disempower myself when it comes to dealing with the principalities and powers. And notice, principalities and powers were disarmed in the cross of Christ. And remember what Jesus prayed on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they're utter idiots and they don't know what they're doing. Well, he didn't use the word idiots. That's my interpretation there. But that's what he said. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And we pray that, and we pray that not because it's a great blessing for the other person that we're forgiving. We pray that because for us, it prevents unforgiveness from seeping in, becoming bitterness, becoming hatred, becoming anger, becoming anxiety, and all kinds of miserable stuff that destroys all of our other relationships, undermines God's purposes for our lives, undermines God's plan and God's destiny, and disempowers us and makes us victims for the demonic in our lives. And ultimately, unforgiveness is a problem because it is an affront to the grace of God. Just as unbelief is an affront to the goodness of God, unforgiveness is an affront to the grace of God. We forgive other people because God has forgiven us. We release other people because God has released us. And it's God's grace that has been activated in our lives. And the promises that we have come by the grace of God. The plans God has for us come by His grace. The power that we have over the demonic comes by the grace of God. Our salvation comes by God's grace. Everything that we have is by the grace of God. The Holy Spirit in our lives is by God's grace. The knowledge of the Word of God that we have is by God's grace. Everything we have comes by the grace of God. And since we have received such a great grace, we must extend that grace to other people through what the Bible calls forgiveness. So faith flows from the goodness of God, knowing God, that God is good and capable of bringing everything good. And forgiveness comes from the grace of God and knowing that our Father, our Heavenly Father, is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And that's why we have to live in faith and forgiveness. If we do not make it a daily activity to walk in faith and forgiveness, we will undermine what God wants to do in our lives and we will disempower ourselves. And if we do not walk in faith and forgiveness, we cannot achieve anything in the world. Faith and forgiveness activate what God has for us. But it's not just faith, it's God's faith. And it's not just forgiveness, it's the forgiveness that God enables through the cross of Christ, through Jesus Christ. Friends, we have God's grace and goodness in our lives. And it is overflowing. And the goodness and grace of God call us to faith and forgiveness in our daily lives. 
And as we walk by faith and forgiveness, we will walk into the destiny that God has for us. And quite frankly, all the powers of hell together cannot prevent us from walking into our destiny, providing we walk by faith and forgiveness. All the circumstances of life together cannot undermine God's promises to us as we walk by faith and forgiveness. And the world needs to see a group of people who live by faith and forgiveness, for whom faith and forgiveness are two activating dynamics of their lives because it points to the one who has made both faith and forgiveness possible, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, by his sacrifice, he empowered us to live lives of faith and forgiveness. When he sent his Holy Spirit down to inhabit his people, he did so that we could have all we need for life and godliness for faith and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And that is our promise. And that promise is reminded to us as we go to the table of our Lord. As we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we're reminded that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. We're reminded that his body broken and his blood shed on the cross paid the price for our sins. We are reminded that God is both good and gracious, worthy of our faith, honored by our forgiveness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you so much that we can come together in this place to celebrate your goodness. I pray, Father, that you would work in us and through us to awaken us as people of faith and forgiveness. Not any faith, we want to have God's faith. Not any forgiveness, we want to have forgiveness activated by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father God, as we encounter you at this table, that you would reignite faith and forgiveness so we could dream big dreams, so we could be fully empowered in your Holy Spirit, and so that we could be people of transformation in the world around us. I pray, Father God, that you bless this bread and this cup, that they would be for us truly the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ broken and shed on the cross. For we pray all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, after they had supped, Jesus took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This table is open to all who name the name Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. All can come, all can share. Uh, Today, as we come, I'll invite people uh, during the worship to come down to the front. 
Uh, just take a piece of bread, take a cup. You can sit on the front pew, have a time of prayer. You can take it back to your seat or you can uh, eat here at the table. But come and receive all that God has for you. And I pray that during this time of worship that God might reignite your faith and show you those that need to be forgiven so you can walk forth from this place in the freedom of faith and forgiveness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And just invite everybody to come for it is ready for you to receive.